It's summertime, and at my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It is winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. And at my bookie, winning season's all about your chance to win big. Bet NBA playoffs, NHL, Major League Baseball, UFC, golf, and then some. The craziest sports summer we've ever had. It's simple make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Invest in your sports intuition, people. Select from hundreds of futures bets. You can bet games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big old brain of yours to good use and use promo code ZABE, Charlie, Zulu, Alpha, Bravo, Echo, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now and bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. Today on the Zabecast, there's big trouble brewing in Redskin land. The name is gone, the execs are getting fired, and now Baghdad Larry... A voice that's been staunchly in Snyder's corner retires. Paul Charchian joins me to talk guillotine leagues and other geeky nostalgia. That plus the attack of the blue check marks on Twitter. Your daily Kickstarter of Uncensored Me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! <laughs> Here we go! Thursday, July 16, 2020. Thank you for joining me. Lots to get to, so let's dive in. The Commonwealth of Virginia has canceled fall sports in high school, including high school football. Well, well, well. They're the first of what will surely be many. But let me just say congratulations. You cowards. Every administrator, every parent who didn't speak up, every teacher who didn't fight, every coach who stayed quiet, shame on you. You have robbed an entire class of students of something precious, irreplaceable, profound. And you had since March 11th to figure this out to be the adults in the room, to put the kids first. Not you, the kids. To think, to talk it through, to adjust, and to find a fucking way. And you failed. You chose not to make any hard choices. You chose not to stand courageously and say, look, we need to go ahead and do this. You ran and you hid. You took the easy way out and you teach, you taught your kids the same thing. You taught them to quit and you taught them to be scared against all reason, against all data about this virus and kids under 18. It is a stain on you that will last forever. And I'm truly embarrassed. Every single bit of science and data from around the world say kids are not at risk. And yet here we are. Here we are. You have robbed them of something precious. Oh, well, we may play in February, says the Virginia State High School. The fuck you will. What do you think is going to be better in February exactly, huh? What if it's worse? Then what? 
Not that it's bad at this point. This virus doesn't touch kids. One study from Europe even said that kids in school act as a break on the virus, believe it or not. But they don't believe it. This is what happens to a society that is soft, that coddles kids, that doesn't want to make any hard choices, that thinks that everything can be done with the easiest snap of the fingers, that doesn't want their kids to ever fail, doesn't want them to endure any risk whatsoever. The helicopter parent generation has done this. And you know, it's what I've railed about in terms of these baseball nets at stadiums. I said, this is fucking crazy. The risk is so minuscule, and there's an easy way to avoid it, which is don't sit in those areas of the park that could get you hit by a baseball. No, no, no. Saves one kid. Well, we got to do it. The mindset of never any danger in this country, always safer, no matter what, the negative side effects is truly nauseating. I remember when we were in Jamaica, we went to this uh, Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville, which was right on the cliffs in Jamaica, which had a huge slide, like a two-story water slide that shot you out into the open ocean in 20 feet of crystal blue water with a couple of floating trampolines and a couple other floating things out there. And it was us, it was me and a bunch of drunken middle-aged you know, men and women acting like teenagers. And we're out there swimming in the ocean. You quickly realize, like, I'm in deep water here, and I, I'm not that strong of a swimmer, and I've got to swim 50 feet over to this pontoon and pull myself up. And, man, I, you know, it's, it's a fair amount of danger. And there was this big floating iceberg, this fake iceberg, inflatable iceberg with handles on it. You could climb up the side of it, right? And we're out there, and there was adults kind of climbing up and jumping off. And there was two little kids that couldn't have been much more than 10, 11, 12 years old, maybe. A boy and a girl. And it was just them. And I looked around. I was like, where are their parents? I noticed their parents casually paying attention, just sitting over on one of the floats a good 30 feet, 40 feet away as the two little kids, open ocean, are there climbing up on this giant inflatable mountain with big, drunken, middle-aged dudes climbing up, jumping off. I mean, the kids could have been underneath one of the drunken people and fallen, you know, oh, look out. As I got closer to the kids and I listened in, I could tell they weren't American. They were speaking French. And I've seen this dynamic over and over again when I travel. Every time I see something that looks risky to me instinctively as an American, almost inevitably, foreigner. They just view life differently. Now, I'm not saying they're always right in terms of that attitude. Frankly, I thought these little kids were probably in a little bit of danger because of the drunken idiots on this float. But the parents were like, they're fine. I'm not going to hover over them. It's not how we roll in America. And it has permeated to the level that since March 11th, school officials have had a way to go, okay, what's going on here? First of all, thank God, this virus doesn't touch kids. Like virtually no deaths under 18 years old. So that's good. So we can go to school and we can play sports. Now, we're going to have to have protocols in place where if guys, you know, kids turn up symptomatic, we'll pull them aside, we'll get them a test, we'll make sure they don't infect the whole team. 
But other than that, you know, we're going to carry on with this. And for the adults who may be in a higher-risk category, we'll figure out a way to let them take the season off or do remote coaching or do stuff indoors and not necessarily be around as many kids. We'll figure a way out because guess what? Schools are essential. Think of this. We've deemed schools to be non-essential businesses. We've kept Walmarts and Targets and grocery stores open as essential businesses and liquor stores and lottery stores. Schools? No, not essential. It's it's crazy. So congratulations, Virginia, for being the first. I'm sure there's more to come. There's a good uh, doctor at a meeting, at a school meeting, who said the following. It was at a panel of experts at the June 24th special board meeting where one Dr. Mark McDonald, a psychiatrist who specializes in children and at-risk youth, summed it up thusly, quote, children are not dying from COVID-19. Children are not passing the disease on to adults. So the only question is, why are we even having this meeting tonight? We're meeting because we adults are afraid. As parents, we face many moments of anxiety, seeing our children off on their first day of kindergarten, their first day of camp, their first year of college. We may want to keep them home to protect them from the world, which can indeed be a frightening place. But let's be clear, when we do that, we're not really protecting our children. We are only attempting to manage our own anxiety. And we do that at their expense. We are acting as negligent parents. We are harming our children. We are failing them, said the doctor. We must agree to make decisions in the best interest of the children. If we do not, if paralyzed by fear, we continue to act out of purely self-interest, we will ensure an entire generation of traumatized young adults consigned to perpetual adolescence and residency in their parents' garages, unable to move through life with independence, courage, and confidence. They deserve better. And we owe it to them as parents. Amen, doctor. Amen. And with that, Andy Poland makes a rare second appearance as special report, Redskins in Crisis. All right, it is time for an emergency Two appearances in one week. Guest appearance for one Andy Poland because this could be the most momentous Hello. 24 hours in Redskins history. Good afternoon, Andy Poland. Good afternoon. How are you? Holy shit. Buckle up. Buckle up for what could be a hell of a bombshell on Thursday. Larry Michael today got out. I mean, retired 16 years as the voice of the Redskins and more importantly, the uh, executive of content creation and a bunch of other stuff with the Redskins. He has been described as Baghdad Larry over the years because he was always relentlessly positive and always defended Snyder, just voluntarily retiring in July, and the Redskins organization gave no indication, like we wish him well, or this is good for him. Just a yeah, he's retired. Something is afoot. What do you make of it? The last play-by-play announcer in a major sport that I remember retiring 
was Vin Scully, who was 89 years old. <laughs> you don't retire from these jobs. Right. And to think that two weeks before trading camp on a Wednesday, Larry woke up and said, hmm, I think I'll retire. And by the afternoon, he had retired. So there's more here. There's a lot more here. And people have been hinting all week that there is a bombshell about to drop, about to explode, uh, about the toxic culture. Uh, sickening, I th- believe is the words that Jason Locke and Fora tweeted out about 24 hours ago. Other reporters say there's more bad news coming, but we can't go with it just yet. I guess it's going to drop today, Thursday morning, when people are listening to this podcast. <laughs> That's what I've been seeing. that the Washington Post will drop the story on Thursday. But this is, you know, you've been around a long time, too. Do you remember a, a trickle like this where actual reporters, people who could report a story like this are saying, well, I got the rumors. I just don't have the goods to do it. So I'll just wait for somebody else to do it and I'll retweet what he puts out. It's weird. You know what it tells me, Andy? It tells me that this is a really big fish. And the bigger the fish, the more hesitant any reporter is going to want to jump out with something, right? You know, because they don't want to be wrong on it. If this was a smaller deal, somebody would have taken a swing and maybe hit it or missed. Yeah, I suppose. But but it's it's one of those things in journalism that if you have two sources, you go with it. And from the tweets I've seen, people have pretty solid rumors that this is happening. Wouldn't take much to confirm it, I would think. I don't know. Here's one uh, message board comment, and for what it's worth. WAPO articles coming tomorrow, Friday at the latest. Rats are fleeing the ship and attempting to distance themselves while they can. Larry is a prime example. Others could be following suit. This goes fall, far higher than anyone can think. Larry Hess and Eric Schaefer are involved as well. Jay Gruden, too. We're talking sexual assaults, drug and alcohol abuse. Other owners are furious at this and could lead to Snyder's removal. In no way Dan couldn't have knowledge of at least some of it. Minority owners of the team are furious and fed up with Dan, and they saw an opportunity to strike. Wow. Sounds and sounds that, plausible, doesn't it? Right, and that that would tie in with the three minority partners looking to get away from him. Right, it, it would seem it would seem to me that after all these years of the name controversy, that they wouldn't all of a sudden decide that they need to bolt. If they were going to get out, they would have gotten out earlier because the name controversy has been going on for a long time. So it's it maybe, you know, maybe it was precipitated by the George Floyd murder and everything else that's been happening since then. But this would tie in more. It would seem to be more plausible that they would want to get out because of this. All right. So let's piece this together. We've known for a while that Danny has been running pretty much an old boys club, a, a drinking socializing club that plays football from September to January and not much further past that. Mm-hmm. His best you know, right-hand man in that endeavor is Bruce Allen, a guy who has gangster tendencies and could keep people in line. That's why he lasted so long, despite such mediocre results. And this was kind of well-known, but it was sort of beno- but a little bit beneath the surface. Well, it gets to the point where it becomes untenable. Bruce is thrown overboard because Snyder has to do something after last year's debacle. You now have outside the tent guys that really hate Snyder. I would say McLuhan is one. Jay Gruden is another. Maybe Bruce as well is leaking stuff to certain people. 
And mm-hmm. the whole thing is starting to come apart. Meanwhile, you got minority investors that want out of the biz, can't sell because no other people want to get in bed with Snyder. They try to buy him out. He says, fuck you. Then they say, okay, fuck me, fuck you. We're going to ask for a name change and see how you handle that hot potato. Then they rope in Bezos, who has more money than God, and may want to be an NFL owner who's got Amazon HQ2 building right here in, in Arlington. And he owns the Washington Post, perfect vehicle for all the disgruntled formers to feed their juiciest, most salacious, most damaging stories right to the post. Bombshell story, kaboom. Owners say, we got to get this asshole out of here. It's Donald Sterling. It is, uh, what's his name from Carolina? And it's now Dan Snyder being forced Jerry out. Richardson. Jerry Richardson. Yeah, that- Bing, bang, boom. How, try that code on for size. How does that feel? Well, yeah, you're going to have to have a smoking Jerry Richardson gun. It's got to be more than uh, the culture is bad. Okay. It's got to be a woman who or whoever, somebody to come forward and say, I was wrong here. Wrong uh, or sexually happened. assaulted. Yeah, I was sexually is. assaulted on a team flight to and from wherever. Could and, be. I and, mean, yeah. And I would bet there might be somebody willing to come forward on that. Maybe, maybe that, that person already has. Maybe, maybe that, that person has. Maybe that person has said, listen, this has bothered me for a long time, and I thought nobody would believe me. I thought the organization would crush me. But, you know, weakness breeds attacks. And so yeah. Snyder's in a weak spot right now, and she could have gone to the Post and told her story and said, I have legal counsel. I am filing a civil suit, even if there's no criminal complaint per se. We've seen that before, and this is going to rattle the organization to its core. Yes. And then maybe that's what the holdup is, is because um, remember what happened at the University of Virginia with the Rolling Stone story of the woman who said she was sexually assaulted at the uh, frat parties and that totally fell apart. So, yeah, it could be if there's something like that, they want to make sure they have it buttoned up. Well, what do you make of the Larry Michael regime? You and I know Larry. You go way back with Larry from his days at Westwood One. I'm cordial with Larry. I don't have any particular beef, but I know that he knows how to operate in a uh, in a stealthy manner in the business and sometimes well, ruthless. Larry I've known since the mid-70s. Uh, he was working part-time at what was called Mutual Broadcasting, and I was a student at American University. He used to take the press credentials and go to a lot of games. I used to see him in the locker room and, you know, talk to him on and off over the years about various things, dealt with him professionally when we, I guess, sort of worked together in a Redskin-owned station. Um, I would say this for him. He managed to survive 16 years in an organization where nobody survives 16 years. Right. What's the average stay, you think, of, of a Redskin employee? Not Three, s- four years? Not 16 years, but you know how he did it. Uh, uh, craftily? <laughs> Unswerving loyalty. You know yeah. it, Andy. We made fun of it. it yeah. There have been so many disasters, debacles, farces, and nonsense, and every step of the way, Larry has been so relentlessly positive Hey, pal, let me tell you, man, going to be exciting times. You know, (laughs) that cheesy Larry Michael way, that's why he earned the nickname Baghdad Larry. The whole, you know, everything is fine here. We are are winning the war, even when everything. I mean, this is a man who every week in his Skin Tangibles breakdown gave the Redskins the Skin Tangible check every week. 
and, and, and there was some Trumpiness to him in that. Uh, and when anybody was fired, he'd nuzzle oh. up to you and go, oh, man, you should have seen what was going on behind the scenes there. He was a bad guy. Wasn't Larry Michael the one? Well, who was the one that, that pretty much slandered McLuhan on the way I don't know if that was Larry at all. I, I really, to this day, I don't know who it was. It was but it, somebody but it was who spoke a, to the Post. Yeah, it was an unnamed team official who yeah. said basically, yeah, this guy was bad. Again, this goes to the fact that you know there's too many people that now are on the outside ready to piss in the tent at Dan right. Snyder because yeah. this is how Snyder treats people. He uses them, gets bored, throws them away. Well, I mean, look at the press release that came out this week that Dan and Ron are going to be the one to choose the name. There's nobody else left. I know. There, there are no, who, who's minding the store? Is is there anybody running the business end of this team right now? No, good question. No. And there's and he has no real friends at his level, at his billionaire level, per se. Dan Snyder does he? Well, as a matter of fact, Vinny Serrato popped up out of the ground this week on the Golick and Wingo show, and I listened to this conversation, yeah. and he told he told two very interesting stories. One was that he had gone on vacation with Dan. Now, most when? of us, this is obviously when he was working with him. Oh, not um, recently. Not recently. Yes. And, but most of us, when we go on vacation, we go with family, friends, or both. Right. right. That's right. He went as an employee I know. on vacation with Dan. Well, and he said his phone rang early in the morning in his room. And it was Dan saying, hey, where are you? I need to talk to you. <laughs> it's on vacation. Yeah, and well, that's that's, one. that's the thing. Well, I, I know. I mean, I've heard this time and time again. Right. Me- and, and so this, this member, is on member, the record. Yeah. Remember when – okay, sorry. There's one more thing. Yeah, I don't one more, one more quick story, not, not related to that, but that uh, he talked about the stadium issue. They asked him about, does this open the door for Snyder to go to the district? And, you know, Vinny being Vinny, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he tells a story about them going to Jerry World when it first opened. It's a Sunday game, and Dan and he and I assume their wives go have dinner with Jerry in his box at the Jerry world yeah. and Jerry is showing them how cool it is that he can open and close the roof with one button. And he said, Snyder said to him, <laughs> I'm going to build one bigger and better. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. So on the Bezos front, let's say yeah. that initially he was a reluctant NFL owner. But because Bezos is a committed liberal and because he owns the Washington Post and the Post has no problem carrying the flag for progressive agenda, the Redskin name thing became something that made him say, you know what? All right, I'm in the fight now. He's got more money than God. The NFL would love to have Bezos on board because of Amazon Prime and Amazon streaming could be a major outlet for the future of televised rights for the league. Huge synergistic benefits of having an NFL owner who's also the owner of Amazon.com. So the league would be interested. Bezos might warm up to the notion of why not own this team, even though I'm not a super huge football fan. And it works for everybody. It helps get rid of the name. The league gets rid of a shithead owner. You get a new stadium in town because you know the district would love to work with Bezos to build a stadium in the district. 
they don't want to give this shithead Snyder a, a stadium at all. Yeah, I, 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 I believe that. I don't know what they would feel about dealing with Bezos. Now, I, I can't imagine he's made any kind of contacts with city council or city leaders, or maybe he has. I don't know. I think he knows how to play that game because he clearly was able to negotiate with the city of Arlington across the river in Virginia to get Four. HQ2 approved. Yeah, I mean, remember, Bezos dealt with about a dozen cities that desperately wanted to build his new headquarters for Amazon. So he Mm -hmm. knows how to interface with public officials. He's got skills. Snyder doesn't. Snyder's afraid of his own shadow. The people's skills have been lacking since day one and really gotten worse um, because there, there were... You know, there were times he did interviews and uh, I did a couple of them with him in the early years. And he did, you know, that one of the stories this week about was about a 45 minute appearance before the National Press Club as things were unraveling with Marty. That's when he came up with that famous line. You all didn't want me to meddle, did you? Yeah. Right. All right. You uh, got two choices here. Choice A, Snyder survives. There is a new nickname and possibly slightly different color scheme of the team. Maybe not burgundy and gold, maybe red wolves with red and let's say black. And they rebuild in Ral John, Maryland, a.k.a. Landover. That's option A. Mm -hmm. Option B, Snyder is out. The name of the team and the colors are completely wiped out. So no burgundy and gold. Uh, but it's a brand new team, like an expansion team, owned by Bezos, and he collaborates with the district to build a really sweet downtown building in the district. Which would you choose? No, yeah, most people like me would choose option B. Of course you would. Okay. And you will accept yeah. the losing, perhaps, of the colors that you have said. The colors only the only thing that matter to you right now. Yeah, but, but, but you're saying that you're going to have a great new stadium and an owner who doesn't have a 21-year track record of right. <laughs> despair and and just d- disaster. So if they were what? the so if they became the Washington Comets, let's say, and their color right. scheme was perhaps uh, silver and gray or some neutral color that's nowhere near burgundy and gold. You'd take that because you'd be in more competent hands and you'd have a better building to go to in D.C. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No brainer. Yeah, that's that's not really a, a choice. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah. All right. Exit question then. What percentage chance do you now think there is that Dan Snyder is the owner of this football team for the start of the 2021 NFL season? I'll put that at 75%. Is that the lowest ownership percentage you've ever put on Dan Snyder? Yeah, uh, but but again, I, I I don't think he gives it up easily. I, I think that this is not something. Some say, oh, he doesn't like to be the owner. You know, he's uncomfortable with this. Nah, it's a cash cow, and he's always been about making money. So I think he'll I think he'll stick it out. He's in for a fight of his life if this story tomorrow or today is really bad, though. You know that. Okay, we'll see. We'll see what it is. All right. Bye. I know you'll be up in your uh, slippers and your robe to get the print edition of the post tomorrow morning as it flops on the end of your driveway, right? 
Well, as, as you may know, I go to a job that uh, I leave about four o'clock and I pick up the paper as I go. What? So, you go, oh, yeah. you report to work that early for a 9 a.m. show on 6 30 a.m.? I do the uh, updates on the uh, Golik and Wingo show, which has another, what, 13 days to go. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Well, mazel mazel. Yes. All right, buddy. We'll stay in touch. Interesting right. times to be sure. Thanks. Be good. Normally don't have Andy two times a week, but, I mean, this is this is potentially big stuff. Now, I'll look stupid if it turns out that this is a nothing burger, that it's just a bunch of low-level or mid-level execs behaving badly, getting in trouble with some cheerleaders on a team trip, and it's like, huh, God, been there, done that. But if it's big, if it's serious, if it is, wow, leads the Today Show caliber stuff, then Snyder could be in trouble and everything could be in play. We shall see. This is where the DJ talks. Don't say anything. Okay. We'll see if he gets hit. Hey, Ozer. Hey, George. How you doing? I am good. It's hard not to try to sing it now. Because, you know, we tried for a month to sing along, and now I want to, and I can't. I'm nailing it, though. I really am. Hitting those high notes. Hitting those high notes like a loon. Well, we got plenty to talk about today, but first, a big hearty congratulations on the launching, officially, of guillotine leagues widespread across your fanball platforms. Well done, my friend. Tell us more. Tell us more. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, it's a it's a labor of love. I just I absolutely love guillotine leagues, Steve. And as you know, I um I decided to, you know, have a basically break off of Fanball, although I'm still part owner of the company, um, and just go build this myself. You know, I couldn't get the support I wanted inside of Fanball to do this my way and give give it the requisite attention. So I started my own company around bringing guillotine leagues to the masses. Your listeners are familiar with Guillotine Leagues, A, because you played it last year and you won your league. You were the last man standing. No better enthusiast for the format than a noob who wins his first ever one. Through a dint of luck, I think some steely-eyed determination and some mm. savvy. Let's not give me you know too much credit, but there was some in there. And just that sort of right bounce, right break along the way. I'm a convert. It's so fucking fun. <laughs> it is, Dave. And, you know, you you live through this 16 weeks. You'll know what I mean. Every week, you're you're on pins and needles because unlike a regular league, if you take a loss, fine. You know, you know, it's just it's just it's one hash mark under the L column. Big deal. You know, I'll go get them next week. That's not the way it is in guillotine leagues. When you are the low point team, you are out for the year. And as you saw, you are it's it is. It is nerve-inducing for 16 straight weeks as you're trying to get to the end to be the last man standing. Ricky Bobby once said, if you're not first, you're last. In guillotine leagues, it's the opposite. If you're not last, you're first. All you got to be is not last every week, and that's like being in first place because even if your team is weak, you have a chance through free agent bidding – to then pick up either guys who are not currently on a team or who are on one of the the team that just got chopped off, and you can then start poaching. So it's a game of survive in advance while keeping your eye on who might be available and keeping your powder dry as long as you can to be able to outbid everybody for that player late in the year. 
And that is it. It's, I think a lot of it really is. If it, hopefully your team is good enough. And we didn't, I didn't, we didn't really exactly go through exactly how this works, but you know, you alluded to it when a team gets knocked off that low scoring team, their whole roster goes to the waiver wire. So now you have a whole league or whole, sorry, a whole team of great players that hit the waiver wire. So it means you got a first round pick and a second round pick and a third round pick all hitting the waiver wire, which means you've got like, Derek Henry hits the waiver wire, followed by Chris Godwin, followed by Austin Eckler, you know, all in the same week. And so there's all these opportunities to improve your team, but you hit on a key, a key component that I think is just critical to winning, keeping your powder dry and having some bidding money left over at the middle of the year, because every week that goes by really better and better teams end up getting cut. And if you can, if you can, you can be sitting in a position to go bid for those great players in the middle of the season Man, that is a strong, strong spot. And then you sit there and you say, ooh, how much do I want to bid on this guy? I wanted badly Dalvin Cook late in the stretch drive last year, and I narrowly missed out on him, and I was kicking myself. Next thing you know, Dalvin Cook has two clunker games, and I kept my powder dry, and I was able to pick up somebody else, and that, that helped lead me to win the league. But it's a little bit of luck that it takes uh, place as well, which makes it fun. And you know me, I hate trades and fantasy because I don't have time to work the phones like a real GM. And I yeah. hate trying to bamboozle guys I'm playing with into trades that might be good for me or bad for them. So you have roster churn without the burden of trades and people going, that was a bullshit trade because guys are going to be available on the waiver wire. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it, you're, you're exactly right. There's no trading in this system, though, at least the ones we use. And you can have trading. If you're playing with friends and stuff, you don't have trading. Okay, fine. You know, our system. You don't really need it, it as an option. Yeah, you you... kind of don't because there's so many good players that keep hitting the waiver wire. Right. Who need, you, you just don't need to have the trading functionality for the most part. The thing about regular leagues that would always get me is, you know, I'd do a shitty job on draft night because I would never <laughs> do my homework and prepare. And that's on me. And then I would quickly realize after one or two weeks, I have a weak horse of a team. And the traditional fantasy guy would go, well, it's your job as a GM to make it better. Make a trade. Pick some guys up on the waiver wire. And I say to myself, yeah, yeah, there's only so much that can do. You you know <laughs> if you have fucked up your draft within two weeks. And I do that a lot. In, in guillotine leagues, it doesn't matter. You just have to float along as a C student yeah. for yes. long enough to then make your team a whole lot better. <laughs> yes, that is, again, It's it, it really is different thinking. Just don't finish last. You know, the week one, you can finish 16th out of 17, and it's no different than finishing first. Yeah. And it really is, it's a different style of thinking. And a lot of the, see, in some ways, as a casual player like you are, Zabe, you're almost better off because hardcore fantasy guys are so attuned to, I got to finish first. I got to finish first. I got to finish first that it soaks into their DNA on how they draft and how they manage their, their team and uh, the free agency. But that's not how you win in a guillotine league. Yeah. Uh, so you are still associated with fanball to a certain extent, but you have broken off and you're putting your full oomph and effort into guillotine leagues. Correct. And so how should I refer to you now going forward on all of our radio appearances? GuillotineLeagues.com. Okay. GuillotineLeagues.com. Your podcast is going to be called? Well, we still have Fantasy Football Weekly. We also have CHOP, a Guillotine League podcast. Specific, that is specific podcast. to yes. Guillotine Leagues. Yes. Nice CHOP. And- 
Chop. And uh, that just launched today, and that is uh, all the places you, you find your better podcasts. And um, and so excited for the start of that. And then also all the stuff that you know listeners are used to getting from me, like my player rankings and my cheat sheets and all that stuff, it's all now available at guillotineleagues.com. All right, guillotineleagues.com. Guillotine, there's a tricky one, G-U-I-L-L-O-T-I-N-E. Yes, Leagues.com. Yep. I'm redirecting a lot of the misspellings to the right side. So you only have to be reasonably close. <laughs> By the way, in I, I had to get a graphic for today's podcast, so I uh, Googled guillotines. Yes. I forgot how fucking terrifying these things are. Oh, God, imagine it. I, 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 I don't want to because I remember as a kid when I first learned about these things and they completely captured my horrific imagination. I'm like, wow, put you in this yes. thing. Tie your hands and shunk, off goes the head. The goddamn French were savages back then. Oh, yeah, absolutely. By the way, we launched on Bastille Day. Speaking of the French, <laughs> which I hope, you, I hope you can appreciate the beauty of that when we launched on the 14th. Um, yes, I mean, if, if you can put yourself in the mind of somebody who's, who's been standing in line watching this guillotine cut off a bunch of heads and now, and now it's your turn. Oh oh, man, the shrinkage, Zabe, the shrinkage, you just, well, and of course, of course, up into your stomach and they would gather all the people in the town square to watch. So everyone can go, okay, anyone else want to get the fuck out of line? Cause you'll be next up here. That would focus the mind right there. Oh, yeah. That, you'll think twice about, you know, whatever, stealing or whatever you're doing. The other thing I think the reason that people did that, uh, that they would go watch this brutality is that was your justice system at the time. And when somebody wronged you in a very real way, right, somebody, um, you know, did something horrific to you or your family, I think there's a, I think people would want to go and go, you know what, I, w- I want to watch this ever lose his head. Because that was justice then. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose you're like, all right, good. Although I'm not sure how many common criminals got the guillotine versus was it mostly a revolution thing where the French Revolution said, okay, off with their heads now that the bourgeois is rising up and overthrowing the ruling class. I, I don't know. I'd have to be a historian on that. But either way, terrifying. So I want to get a league together with, and it's the leagues are 17-person leagues, right? So we can cut. Oh, hold on a second. To the end of week 16. Start over again. Uh, cut out on us. Go ahead. Yes, it's 17 teams because we want to be able to eliminate one team every week of the season for 16 teams, 16 weeks. So then you get the end of the 16th week. And there's one team left, and that's the champion. And last year, that was Zabe. Yeah, all right. And we played in our guillotine league for a bottle of whiskey. And I like that concept as well. Now, of course, you can play for money. Uh, But what I like about playing for a thing, whether it's bottles of whiskey or a dozen golf balls as entry or an Omaha steak or something physical, is that you can't have the cowards you like to purse split when it comes down to two guys. I hate that. I yeah. love the all or nothing. This was one of those things where you couldn't go, well, you take half the bottles of whiskey, I'll take the other half. It's like, if you win, you have all the whiskeys. Yes, all the whiskeys. <laughs> now, you acquired 16 bottles of whiskeys, and you've told me separately that everybody paid. You got 16 bottles Which of whiskey. Which is great. And the, and the other thing is, too, is like when you have something that you like, 
like, say, bottles of whiskey, you would never go buy 16 bottles on your own, probably. <laughs> oh, no. no but but when, you, when you get this overabundance of something you like, it feels even more special than just getting money. You know, I yeah, could have gotten sixteen hundred dollars and bought all that whiskey, but I would have felt like I was wasting it. This was a case of look at this incredible abundance, and it does look good on my bar and my bar counter. But I'll be honest, Church, a lot of them have already dipped down quite a bit, and I'm like, Geez. oh, good I'm like, for you. I'm like, am I drinking this much? <laughs> <laughs> because when you get sixteen bottles, you're like. Uh, I'll die before I drink all this. I mean, That's what I, I thought. I'll die of old age. That's what I thought. Yeah. So, uh, but, uh, all right. So if you go to guillotineleagues.com and you sign up to run one or to have one, organize one with your coworkers, friends, or whatever, uh, what is what is involved in it? Uh, is there a fee that you guys collect for running the league and providing the platform and the software? Well, you're talking of what you're describing is actually less common in that, people have got 16 other people they want to play with and we will run that league and it's two bucks a guy. So it's 34 bucks. So $2 for the whole season per owners. Perfectly fair. Yes. Yes. But more people don't know 16 other people that want to trade a guillotine league. So our primary, our primary thing is just matchmaking. We are building at various price points at various prize output uh, leagues of 17. So you go, you know what I want to put, I want to put $50 into a league. And I want to have a chance to win 720 bucks. And um, you go to guillotineleagues.com and that's your, you know, you just, you join a league of other people who want to play for 50 bucks. So that's the bigger thing that's going to drive way more traffic than okay. people that already have leagues. All yeah. right. So you can do it two different ways. If you, and if you want, if you got 16 other guys and you want to organize one uh, for, you know, cream puffs or whiskey or golf balls, whatever is your thing or money, that's fine. But if you want to join mm-hmm. one with other people now, with daily fantasy, you always have to worry about sharks, and they've tried to sort out the different levels of expertise. Does guillotine yeah. leagues in the format hedge against the sharks and the algorithm experts or not? Well, this is the beauty of it. Who the hell knows what they're doing in a guillotine league? You know, it's invented <laughs> it two years ago. There are no sharks. You know, you know, even you who won last year, and I won one of mine last year. I don't consider myself a shark. There's no playbook yet. Nobody's played enough to be a shark. So you, you're everybody's on even footing. There is no playbook for winning this thing because because algorithms for daily fantasy are designed to assess how many points are you likely to squeeze out of the least amount of cap dollars. Right. Yes. So that you get the biggest bang for your buck. And that involves a lot of sophisticated mathematics that I don't understand. But guillotine leagues, you don't really need all the points. You just need all the points. You need more points than the next guy at the end of the road. And as long as you're bumping along better than just the low guy, you're fine. Yeah, exactly. Um, And that's it. There is strategy. It's a totally new format. It's a different. I know there's strategy to it. And I got a few tips that I've, I've written up on the site. Uh, and one of them it, that I think is really important, Zabe, and there's a variety of strategies, but one of them is bye weeks are just killers in a guillotine league. Oh yeah. You know, when, when you've, you've got, it's a 17 team league. So you don't have a lot of great players at the beginning. If you're looking at a week five buy, and that's a, that's a serious impediment when your first round players got a week five buy or your second round or your third or whatever. When your good players have got early buys, 
man, it is, it's, you start in a big hole because with 17 teams, your rosters aren't deep and you're not going to be able to just replicate that scoring. Very good. I'm excited. So how do you find it right now when normally fantasy enthusiasm is starting to gin up in light of the fact there's still so much hesitancy and uncertainty about the season? Do you feel it? Do you sense it from a fantasy standpoint? Um, I, it's subdued this year for sure. What we've done is we've just laid out our plan at guillotineleagues.com about what we're going to do if the season doesn't go as expected. And basically what we're saying, Zabe, is if we make it eight weeks of the season, whether it's eight contiguous weeks or if it's four weeks on and then they take a month off and they go play another four weeks or whatever, if we make it eight weeks, you put in two months of work, we are awarding prizes. And if it doesn't make it eight weeks, we're refunding everybody's money for everything. Okay. So we're just, that's how we're, that's how we are handling it. And so, you know, you're effectively always assured that you're going to get enough of a season. If we're going to put out enough of a season to enjoy, if we are going to put out prizing and if we don't, you'll get your money back. All right. Very good. I I think there's going to be a season. I don't know about the fan attendance, but I am pretty strongly confident that the NFL is going to play. Yep, especially because so th- these players, they, they can't afford to miss a check. Half the league will go belly oh, yeah. up if they don't get a check. They'll be fighting to start the season. <laughs> right, if, right. If they're like, well, I'm not sure we should play. It might be risky. Risky? Have you seen how violent this game is? Let us play, motherfuckers. Yeah, no kidding. If, speaking of risky, you know what's going to happen when I don't make a house payment for three months? Right. Yeah, that's risky. When, so, yeah. when the baby mamas come calling saying, where's my monthly? That's risky. <laughs> if you're if you're Adrian Peterson, what are you doing? Oh you you have to play. You know, there's a reason Adrian Peterson's still in the league. It's not because he wants to catch Emmett Smith. He just wants to stay ahead of the law. It's not about staying ahead of defenses. <laughs> hey, don't you blaspheme my running back like that, all right? That, I love Adrian Peterson. Oh. The, the great redskin that is Adrian Peterson going into year three when I thought he was a joke when they signed him two years ago. He's amazing. He's a freak of nature, he no is. question. So, He's a total freak. So the Dak thing came and went. No long-term deal. Franchise tag for $31 million. I said yesterday it's Kirk all over again. And it is. I want your perspective up there with Kirk because I know there's still people chirping and chipping that you got a guy who's still not good enough. Not good enough. And you know, all he is by virtually any metric – that you want to look at any metric. He's a top five performing quarterback in the NFL, but not to the, not to the satisfaction of the Vikings fans here, Zabe. Sure. It's it's they, oh, they, no matter how well he plays until he delivers a super bowl, that's become the criteria in a town for Kirk cousins in a town. That's never won one, not once, <laughs> but unless Kirk delivers a super bowl, he's not good enough. And it's just, it's it's only a, it started out as because of the contract was so big and they didn't like him right off the bat. And he wasn't as good in his first year. And they, people just set in their ways and they decided they're not changing. They don't like him and they're not changing despite the fact that he's been very good. And he's now like the, 12th highest paid quarterback in the league. Right. That's how quarterbacking works. You know, whoever, whoever comes up for free agency, that's half decent becomes the highest paid quarterback in the league. Didn't you also, didn't you also uh, like a tweet that somebody had about the AYA numbers, air yards per attempt of certain quarterbacks. And believe it or not, Kirk has more AYA than even Patrick Mahomes. 
on touchdowns, yes. Yeah, it was oh, on specific touchdowns. on touch. It was specific to touchdown passes. Yeah, he's number one uh, on touchdown passes. His average depth of target. 19 and a half yards Woo! on touchdown passes. I mean, look, that keeps defenses honest. That means that that means that secondary can't crowd the line of scrimmage. That means Dalvin Cook, when he gets to the second level, has got one less tackler to deal with. I mean, that arm strength opens things up, and Viking fans just, they, they can't stand it. Do you think that the Cowboys have made a mistake in slow-walking Dak? Will this no. end poorly for them or no? They say ultimately they still hold most of the cards. Now, obviously, you guys have the perfect example. Well, define Washington. Cards. Well, you they have they've got the ability to tag him, to trade him, right? To trade him at thirty-one million or thirty-seven million next year. What are you? Who you know? How many teams would want to have him? Of course, teams at that price, find room. They'd find room. Plus, they'd have to give up assets to get them. I don't know about yes. that charge. Oh, they'd take it. Like the, every fran- every franchise in the NFL is battling okay. to have a chance to sign a quarterback okay. to a gigantic contract. That means they have a great quarterback. Why would they trade him? I'm just if they get to a point to not pay where him? the impasse. If they get to a point where the impasse, the financial impasse, is insurmountable, or and some people think this is happening, if the social and political impasse is so great that he won't play in Dallas, then you have to get something for him. Whoa, whoa, right? whoa, whoa, whoa. Social and political? Impasse, yes. What are you talking about? You're not aware of this. Well, no. let me tell you. No. There are many people urging Dak Prescott not to sign his contract because Jerry Jones supports the president of the United States. Get the fuck out of here. Totally that's serious. A, that's a thing. Totally serious. Dak has a thing. Oh, oh my god. Dak has a white mom. He's biracial. Does it does that necessarily matter? I don't if know. People are urging people are urging him oh not god. to not to sign with the Cowboys to stick it to Jerry Jones. So what? He'd this rather be, be he'd rather be a Jaguar than the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys idolized by millions and millions of fans across the country and worldwide? Come on. That, that I'm just saying we You're now he's saying. never said this he's never said it but there is absolutely pressure being put on him this is an this would be an epic move by the cancel culture right to get him to, to cancel walk Jerry away, Jones to cancel Jerry Jones because yeah. because he supports Donald Trump yeah. well guess what it, it, you know he's a, he's a quarterback he's good he's not that good and there's more coming out of college all the time yes you're not going to cancel Jerry Jones you're not going to cancel the Cowboys but okay. No, yeah, prob- probably, probably Jerry's, not. Jer- Jerry's going to be okay. Jerry's going to be all right. He's the most successful, at least half black quarterback the Cowboys have ever had. America's team. You know, they had Quincy <laughs> Carter, who sucked on ice. Uh, who else did they have as a black quarterback? I mean, they don't really have. Uh, didn't they have one of the earlier black quarterbacks in the league a long time ago? I'll look this up right now. Uh, I'm looking it up right now as well. If I can, I'm going to try. Uh, I don't, I mean, Danny white was definitely white. (laughs) Danny put the white into Uh, Danny white. White. (laughs) Yes. He had, he was the guy who would, um, he was pitching Wranglers and and bell bottoms. Oh, uh, uh, Rodney, Rodney Pete was a cowboy back in 94. Yeah. Uh, Randall Cunningham 
Uh, Anthony Wright was another one. Uh, yeah. Quincy Carter, I mentioned him. Um, Randall Cunningham. Wait, wait, wait. Randall Cunningham was a cowboy? He was. In 2000. Was? Yeah, played three games. Made three I starts, really? apparently. I yeah. Did not, assuming, I did not remember that. Yeah, assuming that these start splits are correct, they put them in Wikipedia year by year. That's uh, that's very, very interesting. How about this? Did you remember? Do you remember the Chad Hutchinson era as the leading passer for the Cowboys in 2002 mm-hmm. with 1,500 passing yards? Oh, man. Here's here's the procession of quarterbacks the Cowboys went through between Troy Aikman and Tony Romo. You ready? Yeah. Randall Cunningham, Anthony Wright, Quincy Carter, Ooh. Ryan Leaf, Clint oh. Sterner, uh, Chad Hutchinson, uh-huh. and ancient Vinny Testaverde. Vinny, you forget all his stops. Yes, Vinny was there. Drew Henson, and a truly paleolithic drew bledsoe who played <laughs> 16 of 16 games in 05 and then six games in 06 before romo took over wow wow and then the one year romo was injured they had a a, a, a three taco platter of stink stank stunk of romo kidna and mcgee stephen mcgee played one game what? stephen, stephen mcgee, McGee. Yeah. Wow. No idea. So they've had they've had uncertainty because of Romo's injuries. Romo played full seasons four times, 07, 09, 11, and 12. He missed some games in all the others, mostly one game in 13 and 14. But then when it finally fell apart, they had a four quarterback year in 2015. Matt Castle, Romo, Brandon Whedon, and Kellen Moore. Oof. Brandon Whedon, first round pick, by the way. Since then? Dak Prescott, 16. Dak Prescott, 16. Dak Prescott, 16. Dak Prescott, 16. That's the kind of quarterback you should pay top dollar to. And I'm, I suspect almost certainly it'll end up happening in, but it's not, it's not impossible. As you guys proved, you can, you can manage to bungle away your, your franchise quarterback. Here's Vinny Testaverde stops over what was a 21 year career drafted by Tampa then Cleveland for three years, Baltimore for two, the Jets for seven, Dallas, back to the Jets, Patriots, and then Carolina, where he finished his career with, where he started seven games for the Carolina Panthers, which I, I never, I never <laughs> would have guessed or remembered. That, and that was just, that was just 2007. There's a game to be played, which is, did this quarterback you know, play for this team that you forgot yeah like you could God. assemble quite a list where it's like nope he actually did this year correct yeah. correct yep all right before we go i gotta ask you this what do you make of the big twitter hack that went down on wednesday night some of the highest profile accounts hacked with a message for a bitcoin scam where it was like send me a grand in bitcoin i'll send you two grand back we're talking Elon <laughs> Musk, Barack Obama, Joe Biden's account got hit. Unbelievable! Uh, now, for those of us now, are you are you a uh, are you a verified account? Zay? No, I'm Thank not. You. I'm not either. How many? And you've got fifty six. Nah, them. like fifty two thousand, which is really not no, a lot. I've never applied to be a blue check mark because I don't want to. You be. can't. You can't apply. 
there's no application process. I thought there anymore. was at some point. There was, but that was like I think they killed it off three years ago, and now it's cool. all done by some some algorithm or huh. something. I don't know who. Uh, I don't know who. Uh, who are the white checks? There's some white even, checks. There's a white check. I don't yes. even know what that is. I've never it's seen a, a white check. Yes, it it appears on my Twitter timeline as a white check mark. What uh, is that? Just people who are like you know hacking it in with. You know, like a like an emoji that looks like a check mark. Well, maybe I don't know. You know what? Maybe it's only on the desktop version. It appears as white. I think I that's know. it. Yeah, I've never I've never seen that on the desktop. It looks white. I think on your phone it looks blue. Now let me ask you this: So I'm not verified. You're not verified. You say you don't want to be verified, but there are times, Abe, when you want to be verified. Why? Did where you know as an example. If I ha- if I want to complain to some corporate, right, you know, at General Electric, I'm ha- you know, I'm having this for- at Verizon. I can't get this thing to work, whatever. And I've been on hold for 16, 16 hours at Verizon. What's going on? Whatever. I, you you can't convince me you're not like more likely to get a response, to get help, get when you need when you need something. I think that check mark helps. You don't think so? I don't know, man. I don't know anymore. And I'm now, I mean, like there are people on, on Twitter saying this was not a Bitcoin scam. This was a state level hack. This was some country that wanted to send a message of, we own your ass, probably Uh, China, China. maybe (laughs) Russia, possibly North Korea. But if they can hack the Twitter accounts of those high profile people, huh? Mo? I know who's safe. Who's safe. If they can get hacked, who is safe? And I'm sure we'll end up finding out a lot about security systems that Twitter's been used and how this ever happened. But for the immediate time being, until it's all reinstated, here we are, the unwashed, the unseen, the unspoken of. We rule the landscape of Twitter. <laughs> all right, Charge. GuillotineLeagues.com. Get in, sign up, have fun. And I want to hear from people saying, I love the idea of playing for a physical something Here's what my guys are going to play for. Could be bottles of wine. Could be bottles of scotch. Could be whatever. I want to know. Yes. All right? Well, is the Whiskey League coming back? It is. With a vengeance. And I would be honored, Mr. Charchian, if you would join me, good sir. I am... Uh, I will not be auto-drafting this year. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) That's true. All right, Charge. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. My brother and I are now experts in the field. All right. uh, We're going to call that a wrap today. I think I gave you too much show. You okay? Can you you eat all that show I just gave you? Uh, You know what? Put the rest of it in a box. It'll keep till tomorrow whenever you're back in the car again. Thank you so much for downloading. Keep your head up in all the madness and live your life fully without fear. We'll get through this. Sign up for Fridays. You get five days a week, not four, for a mere five bucks a month, and it helps support me in this venture. Twelve months for the price of 11 when you sign up for one year at a time, and then it escapes scrutiny from, you know, the War Department at home. Quality content worth paying a fair price for. I'm happy to do it for people, and I appreciate those who do it with me. Have a great day. Thursday, and we will see you tomorrow.
for today. So good day. Good day. And you guys, what? Hoser. There's no way I'll ever do another record with you, Hoser. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I'll